so there's a funny tweet uh i think it was like a test right fan that said you know hey shaka see you this week and welcome to hell and then shaka re- retweeted saying you guys play in dortmund <laughs> <laughs> Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einziger Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Thank you for tuning back to our show. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom who speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their points of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is my co-host, a man whose hilarious tweet was retweeted today by Schalke themselves, Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this weekend? Yeah, the uh, the sub 100 like tweet, the absolute pinnacle of my Twitter career so far. So that tells you uh, how pathetic my uh, my social media traction is. That was a great tweet, though. Come on. <laughs> Appreciate it. Appreciate it. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing I'm doing all right considering um, Schalke. Yes, they lost, but at least uh, my hometown team here, DC United, they were they're in the playoffs now. So I guess it's a little 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 to be happy about. But I wish you know Schalke were doing much better. Um, but we're getting more to, into that game. Um, we are not alone tonight as we bring on a special guest. He is the president of the Bakersfield chapter of the American Outlaws, founder of International Podcast Day, and also a podcaster on the waves of tech. Big Shaka fan, Dave Lee, welcome to the show. How are we doing today, Dave? Richard and Jack, man, thanks for having me on. It's it's uh, it's great to be here, man. Been been loving the podcast and enjoying all the Shalka support and connection I've been making online since I've been a supporter. So uh, glad to be here, man. Looking forward to the discussion. Yeah, man. And so you are you hail out of uh, Bakersfield, California, isn't it? That is, yep, Central Valley uh, of of California here. Nice, nice and warm still out here. So, uh, yep, that's Bakersfield's where I reside. All right, on and so. Uh, you are the founder of International Podcast Day. Why don't you tell our listeners uh, a little bit more about uh, wh- what you do there and and uh, what is International Podcast Day? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for giving me a chance to talk about this. International Podcast Day is every September 30th, and it is truly an international celebration of the power of podcast. Each year, my dad, Steve, and I, um, who is also one of the founders, uh, we put together about 40 different podcasters, and we stream clear clear across the world. This year, we had 40 different podcasters from 16 countries, um, every, everywhere from the Philippines, New Zealand, Portugal, the United States, Canada, Argentina, France, UK, you name it. We had a podcaster from there. And, they're, and we're just sharing the power of podcasts, what's going on at the international level. Um, it, it's a fun event we bring each year. And the, one of the coolest parts is people schedule meetups and festivals and everything around September 30th and the International Podcast Day itself. So uh, thanks for giving, giving me a chance to talk about that. It's, it's just a, a true passion project that has turned into to quite the event and quite the celebration internationally. As both Jack and I are, uh, we do podcasts ourselves. We, you know, we actually love to have you on here and talk and talk about that kind of stuff. Because um, anytime we can bring bring light to podcasting in general, uh, we we try to as much as we can, right, Jack? Yeah, absolutely. Let me just uh, echo what Richard said. Uh, glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, I mean, I can tell you that uh, <laughs> I'm sure everyone out there is tired of hearing me talk. I know Richard and I am, so I'm always glad when we have a, a guest on to bring some new perspective to things. <laughs> yeah, ha- have happy to add my thoughts. <laughs> well, before we get into the game that no one wants to talk about, um, we'll, we'll bring up a couple news articles that uh, that I found on. This one comes by way of the eighteen dot com, and this is it, it's kind of like what Jack was tweeting about. And if you don't know what he's talking about, you'll you'll hear it in a second. Um, the the title of this article is Weston McKinney has now played every position for but goalie for Schalke this season. Um, basically, that article just talks about every position that he's played this year, and it and it, and it and it peaked, I guess, this weekend when he played second striker. Uh, Dave, I'm gonna throw it over to you. What do you make of Tedesco trying uh, Young McKenney in pretty much every position on the pitch? You no, know, it's interesting because we know someone of of McKinney's 
caliber, right? His talent, his level, his ability to read the midfield, his ability to disrupt, um, you know, disrupt the play in the midfield. And we know he can, he can play everywhere. Right. Um, I, I still think his true valuable position is, you know, that, that main midfield position, that box to box that he's been playing, but it, but it's intriguing to, to see him be so versatile as a player, you know, to, to take that leap from, you know, over here domestically with the United States to say, I'm going to push myself over in Germany, join up with the Schalke team and just kind of see him from center back to, to wing back, even though that was, you know, all intents and purposes, a failed, you know, adventure, you know, I mean, considering the game that we played against Byron when that happened, but at the same time, you know, he's played defensive midfield against Wolfsburg and, um, you know, he plays attacking against Mainz and, you know, he, he just has that ability and that innate knowledge on 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 being versatile and being able to adapt to different conditions and different uh, demands that his his managers being uh, that's placing on his shoulders. So, whereas you know it's interesting to see him in these various positions. It was cool to see him playing as that number ten, as you guys uh, alluded at uh, against Bremen this weekend. Um, it, it's cool just to see him you know, at various points, kind of be able to adapt to the situation, adapt to tactics on the fly. And I think that's really telling of his knowledge and, and his smarts when it comes to the game of football. Jack, I'm going to, I'm going to come out to you on this one because your tweet, you know, those, those funny, you did mention the U S men's national team and, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure the U S men's national team are, are hoping that Chalka can develop him into a certain type of position, any position really, but it seems Tedesco just tr- is doing every week is doing something different. Uh, can this be good for for McKinney in the overall scheme for the with the U.S. men's national team, or or this is going to be confusing for how they can employ him you know, here on out? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think especially as a young player, uh, versatility is always a good thing because it's going to maximize the number of opportunities you have to get minutes. And that's what every young player needs probably more than anything else is just, you know, consistent match time. Although I will say that I think um, McKenney has probably shown enough at this point where he should be a regular starter in his sort of natural position in the center of midfield anyway. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, from the American perspective, right, and all, you know, we're all Americans here. Um, I think we would all like to see McKinney focus on one thing more than another, uh, just because chances are, I mean, it, he's still early in his development where we don't exactly know what he's going to end up as. But, you know, a lot of people see him, especially in the national team setup, either as kind of like a number eight to like a Tyler Adams number six or maybe, a, you know, a double pivot. Um, something like that, possibly a number 10 um, if if he ends up kind of developing that way. But um, I don't think there's a lot of people that consider him to be you know, like a center back for the national team or a striker for the national team. Certainly not. Um, and so from that perspective, I, I definitely like to see him play somewhere consistently at Schalke where he can really learn a specific position, develop there, hone his skills, hone his knowledge at that position, and he can take it to the national team. Um, and be more effective. So, um, I mean, I like the fact that he's getting consistent match minutes. Tedesco certainly seems to like him and is using him wherever and whenever he can. But, um, you know, at, at some point, I'd like to see some consistency. Dave, uh, kind of jumping off of what Jack said, it, it, it's true that you don't want to have a player, a young player, be pigeonholed in one particular position. The versatility by Mr. McKinney uh, certainly will bode well for him in the future because, you know, Depending on the situation, he can be, he can come in at any time, really, can he? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that again, kind of goes back to you know being that versatile, very smart, analytical player that he is. Yeah, he he can drop in if 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 whatever, whether it's Schalke, whether it's at the national team level, if he needs to drop in at right back where it's not definitely ideal. But if he did have to drop in at that, or as he said, a number ten, um, again, it's not his naturally gifted natural position to be in. But but it's good to know that he has a role. I know there there's several players on different clubs around the world that that do adjust based on whether they're coming from national team back to the club, vice versa. Um, so I, I think, again, as Tedesco looks at him, I'm with Jack and you guys here. I want to definitely see him in a defined role where he's going to get minutes. I do think a bit of the, I guess, 
you know, invention of what's going on is due to sort of the performance from Schalke and Tedesco's trying to find different ways of perhaps sparking some offensive power. Um, you know, we're going to get into that later, but he was, he, he was a disruptor and that's what I like to see on the field. Um, I do prefer him to be that disruptor in the midfield. I'd rather not have him pushed too high up, but it does offer him a lot of opportunity to get in and see minutes on the pitch. What I think is ultimately the most valuable for someone who's at his young age of 20 still. How annoyed do you have to be if you're a Skripsky or a Toyker um, or somebody like that? I mean, like, you know, they bring all these people in and, you know, it, it's one thing with the number of strikers they have and, you know, forwards, you know, you have to compete for those minutes. But then, you know, you can't even get a start ahead of Weston McKenney who's suddenly playing striker. I, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, even Mark Oot, who was starting on the bench, right? Um, he can't be too happy about that. So that was... And same thing with Rudy, right? Because Rudy's been struggling to get on the pitch in midfield, and then you have a game where McKenney's not even in midfield, and he still can't even get on. So um, I feel what Dave said about trying to spark something and give people different looks, but I don't know. I wasn't that sold with this particular movie. I feel like Tedesco is grasping at straws a little bit here. Um, like I appreciate him thinking outside the box, but when you have the kind of depth you have at that position, like – why did you bring these people in if you're not going to play them up there? I'm waiting for, like, give, go, right, I was go say, I'm no, waiting for Schalke to come out with a 1-1 formation, you know, Farman and Net and then McKinney just by himself because uh, they think he can play everywhere, <laughs> every position on the pitch. I mean, I'm with you guys because I think he should play defined role, and I think that position that best suits him is at eight position because he can contribute defensively and also attack. Uh, while, he's not, he, while he may not be the ideal number 10 for us, um, he certainly can contribute offensively. Um, we've seen him with make make those runs, you know, for a long time, and he's finally scoring, you know, two of the last three games. Uh, so hopefully, you know, we start seeing him more in that position. And like like both of you are saying, we got depth. You know, we got Toyker, we got a bunch of strikers, we got a bunch of attacking midfielders. Me, I mean, Harit really should be in this ten role. If anyone's gonna be a second striker, it should be him. Um, but it's uh, it's certainly a curious case of what they're doing with Mr. McKinney and and the joke was going around Twitter uh, around Jack's tweet was that. Um, uh, Mr. McKinney volunteered to be goaltender when uh, when Farman went out with an injury. So, uh, <laughs> but that's that's another story. Um, let's let's change topics because we could talk about McKinney all day. Uh, this comes from Ghana Soccer Net, um, and it's about Mr. Baba Raman. Um, and the and the title of this article is uh, Coach Dominico Tedesco is not enthused by Baba Raman's shooting skills. Uh, basically, during the international break, most players most most Big teams have a lot of players, international players, that go out and play for their respective teams. Schalke are no different. Uh, only around nine guys or so stayed for the camp uh, during the break, and Baba Raman was one of those guys. And during the training, uh, Tedesco ran different drills, uh, but the one that, that pissed him off the most, if you will, was the shooting drills, and I guess Baba Raman was uh, not hitting the target at all, and he wasn't enthused by him. Do you think this gentleman is something that maybe – Part of the reason Robin has, hasn't get much pitch time this season, yeah, the team's been playing poor and they're trying to find you know who 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 fits in where. But um, it just it seems with the work ethic that Robin brings that uh, he'd be on the pitch more, and it's got to be something underlined to it that is keeping him out of the lineup. Uh, let's start with you, Dave. Yeah, it's interesting when you again think in totality the depth that that Schalke has right now, and and to be honest with you guys, you know Robin he. He just hasn't popped into my into my mind lately. You know, haven't haven't seen much, you know, much information on him, both at the team level, both both on social media, and you know, it it goes, you know, it's it's very telling because we know, obviously, for example, McKinney's in the back pocket of Tedesco. He really loves him. Um, there, there's more than just gameplay that earns you your spot, right? It's just not the minutes played. It it has to do with training, has to do with commitment, has to do with discipline, uh, precision, all those things. You know, how well is he preparing on his off time to make sure that he's prepared when it comes comes to to match day? And, you know, it's I hate to say it, but he kind of fell off my radar because he hasn't been a, a regular fixture within the, you know, even within the starting 18, you know? And, uh, so it, it could be a number of factors that's going on. And if these reports are true, which, you know, I think they are, it's, it's, it's a telling fact that, you know, day in and day out, you have to earn your spot here in football. It's a very competitive league. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure as a, as a Schalke player um, being on that roster. So um, I'll pass it to you, Jack. It's, it's just a, it's an interesting uh, quandary to kind of think about what's going on with him right now. You know, I, I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I would be surprised if it was his, his lack of, 
shooting accuracy that's keeping him off the pitch, considering that he's generally speaking a left back and probably shouldn't be pulling up from range that often anyway. But uh, especially considering the injury to Bastion Ochipka, because he's still working his way back. I mean, I think we all kind of expected to see a whole lot of Baba Raman uh, early on just because of the lack of depth we had. Uh, we ended up signing Mendil late. Uh, but once he got that initial run, he's really kind of gotten a stranglehold on that position for the most part. And I feel like we've seen him more often than not. And that's been really interesting, uh, especially because I don't feel like overall he's played that well. Um, he has some discipline issues. He's prone to picking up cards. He um, He's not the most reliable uh, person to provide service from from the side either. He, he You know, he's, he's not... Um, that steady guy who can kind of chug down and always play a good ball into the box. He, he turns the ball over a little bit, that sort of thing. So uh, it, I, I feel like, yeah, something definitely has to be going on behind the scenes um, where Baba Raman is in the doghouse because I don't think Menzel's play has been good enough to really warrant this kind of um, stranglehold over the over the minutes so far. No, those are uh, those are excellent points there. Um, it's it's curious, you know, the case with him and, and several other guys, why they're not getting the pitch time they deserve. Um, but, you know, as Jack said, you know, he is a left back, so you really shouldn't be if, – if the sole factor for him not being in the lineup is the shooting skills, in a, there's going to be something more net by Tedesco. But um, there's got to be an underlying thing there. And um, maybe he's just trying to compare him to the right back because it seems like uh, Caligiri seems to strike gold a lot in, uh, either with his crosses or his shots. So, uh, but you really shouldn't compare it like that. Um, Maybe there was more to the story that GhanaSoccer.net or wherever you pulled that from <laughs> didn't quite uncover. The two-week streak in a row of just your obscure sources for these things. I love that's it. That's what we do at Shaka Podcast. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, that's done for my obscure articles. Um, a quick rundown for today's show. We're going to talk about that Bremen match and then uh, try to get in a positive mood and talk to the Champions League. Jack, uh, what do you think? Let's take it away. Let's do it. All right, so the game that we didn't want to talk about, we got we do have to talk about, and that was a, the match against Bremen. Um, Schalke coming into this, into this game, if you look at the standings coming in, uh, Bremen were something like in fifth position, while Schalke were uh, just outside the relegation zone. Um, you look at the, If you look at the form, Schalke had three games, one in a row um, coming into this overall. Uh, Bremen, you know, they came in winning uh, three of their last four, just on the short. Um, overall, you know, coming to this game, we were we were, we were excited because this could have been a chance for Schalke really to move up the table. Um, but unfortunately, Dave, uh, in warm-ups, uh, Mr. Ralph Fairman uh, gets an injury and he misses the game. Yeah, that was quite some news. You know, I'm sitting here looking at Twitter, looking at the lineup, and all of a sudden the announcers come on and say, you know, we got a 22-year-old replacement, Newbell, that's going to be coming in. And it, and that's that's a harsh reality, right, of, you know, picking up, you know, even a minor groin injury, I believe is what the report was during a warm-up. You never know how those things can aggravate. Um, it, it, it was a bummer because Fairman, 117 straight starts, you know, um, uh, with, with behind net right there. And um, it was it was it didn't really put me in sort of like, oh, no sort of situation. But it was like, OK, what do we have to do? Our defense needs to protect uh, the, the, the new young keeper that's back there. We you know, we, we got to make sure that we play, you know, solid in front of him to give him at least a, a, a fighting chance. Um, but yeah, that was that was terrible news, of course, for Fairman. We love I'm more comfortable. I know you guys are more comfortable with having him in net there. Um, but hey. Injuries happen, and some of these young guys got to get minutes at some point. So um, if, if it's not Champions League, if it's not this, it has to be an injury. But hopefully uh, Fairman's uh, healing, recuperating really well at this point. So, Jack, um, young Mr. Alexander Nubel was uh, vaulted into the lineup, uh, forced to start over Ralph Fairman. We've seen glimpses and uh, glimpses of, of Nubel mostly in preseason and a couple, you know, um, late-minute games. But uh, he, this young, young, talented goalkeeper... Uh, but we haven't yet to see him play a full 90 before this. He's been hanging around the first team, I think, a little bit longer than somebody like Timon Vellenreuter had a couple of years ago when he was thrust into service. Right. So I, f- I feel like I was a little bit more confident about Nubel 
popping in than uh, you know some of the previous goalkeepers we've had when we've been pressed uh, to have them into service. Um, but yeah, I mean the same things that, that Dave said, right? You know, you, you want to make sure that you're not putting too much pressure on him, and the defense isn't you know putting him in exposed positions. So uh, yeah, a lot of question marks going into it. Always sad to see Fairman not make the starting lineup doesn't happen that often but uh you know Richard you and I always talk about how whenever the uh, the commentators start talking about streaks for us yep. usually those get broken immediately Absolutely. and i feel like the last couple <laughs> matches the last couple matches they've always been mentioning the consecutive start record of Ralph Fairman and then wouldn't you know it uh tweaks a groin or something like that in warm ups so um not the ideal situation to start off a match against a, a quality opponent like Bremen no not at all and as always it seems this season uh, whenever there's a new game, there's a new lineup for Schalke, and they came out with the uh, 4-4-1-1. Uh, ready for this, guys. Uh, and right b- the back four was pretty standard. Daniel Caligiri, Salif Sane, Naldo, and Hamza Mendel in the back. And then in the midfield, we had Alessandro Schoff, Omar Mascarel, Nabil Bentaleb, and Amin Harit playing in that second striker role, Weston McKinney. And they're, of course, led by uh, Guido Bergstaller. Uh, Dave, when you saw that Mr. McKinney was in the second striker, uh, you had to be scratching your head like we were. I mean, yeah, I get it. He's versatile. But as a second striker, I mean, really? Yeah, absolutely. Head scratcher because, as, as we mentioned earlier, I was thinking, all right, maybe maybe something's wrong here. Maybe I'm misinterpreting you know, the players, the lineups, because I thought maybe Harit was going to play in that role. Um, yeah, as, as far as the rest of the lineup, you know, something new every week, right, that we're going to see um, from, from Tedesco. But yeah, having McKinney there in the 10, in the, in the, in the number 10 spot was, was very unique. It, again, it didn't have me concerned. It was just, all right, how is this really fitting in to the tactical approach, sort of, you know, the, the way we play and, you know, not overall, not a bad performance, just something unique, something different that we got to saw, but definitely a head scratcher in my opinion. Absolutely. Jack, with with uh, McKinney playing the second striker behind Guido Berkseller, what you have is really two hardworking attacking players. Perhaps that is why Tedesco went there because he wanted to put a lot of pressure on the on the back line of Bremen. Yeah, you know, pre pre match, uh, as I was watching the broadcast when they were revealing the lineups um, on the broadcast, uh, they revealed it as sort of a maybe like a four five one or right. maybe a four one four one. Uh, and then just a couple minutes into the match, it's pretty apparent that McKenney is, you know, m- maybe playing number 10, but it, it looked more like just kind of a basic 4-4-2 mostly with McKenney literally playing striker. Um, he had played in a pretty advanced role uh, the last match prior to the international break um, and, and made, a, made a number of good runs over the top. And it was playing fairly effectively as sort of a target striker. Um, and I feel like that was kind of what his role was again. Maybe, you know, he, he's so good in the air. That's one of his main strengths. Um, we saw that against Moscow in the champions league, right? Um, <laughs> later on, but, uh, he, uh, getting, getting forward for him, I think is, it's potentially useful just because too many times this year, I feel like our, our strikers haven't been able to receive the balls in the kind of positions they need to in order to take shots. And so putting putting McKinney up there and having him being the one to receive those passes and do the hold-up play, he's able to lay it off for strikers in better positions instead of wasting like Bergstahler or somebody, you know, having to be the one to bring those balls down and play it off to somebody else. So maybe that's what Tedesco was going for. Obviously, I can't get into his head, but um, definitely a strange wrinkle. If we look at the, uh, the bench for Schalke on this one, uh, De Santo was started on the bench. He he would come in in the 63rd minute for Mascarell, Sebastian Rudy. Of course he would. Of course, right? Uh, <laughs> Sebastian Rudy, Yevon Konoplyanka, Matija Nastasic, Mark Uth, who came in in the 45th for uh, Hamza Mendel, and Suat Serdar came in in the 69th for, for Amin Harit. Uh, the unknown would, you know, when Nubel's usually on the bench and Farman starts, but when Farman's out with the injury, who would jump on the bench? And that lucky player would be Michael Langer uh, for Shaka. Do either of you gentlemen know anything about him? Outside of being familiar with his name, no, I haven't really seen too much of him ever. Yeah, I shadow that. Yeah, just 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 name recognition. That's about it. Don't nothing comes to mind when I think of that guy. Well, he's a thirty-three-year-old Austrian, so there you go. You learned a little bit about him today. Perfect. <laughs> uh, if you look at the Bremen lineup, um, uh, in goal Pavlenka, then you had uh, Gebrus Alassi, Vjelkovic, Moisander, Augustinsson. In the midfield, you had Egestin, uh, Nuri Shahin. Uh, we know him from the uh, the other side of uh, the other rivals in the Ruhr Valley there. 
um, Davy Klassen. He's a uh, a young Swede who or, or Swede player who's very very good. Um, Osako, Max Cruz, of course, and and Kainz. Um And on the bench, there was a, na- a notable name, and that's Claudio Pizarro. Gentlemen, uh, going to this matchup, who who would have been your big uh, worry? The guy you'd have to worry about the most. Um, Jack, if you if you look at this lineup, is it Max Cruz or is there someone else that you're looking at that that could worry you for to get goals against? I feel like Max Cruz always has a good game against Schalke. Right, I right. could be wrong about I that, right. but I I just feel like every time we come up against him, he does something, and so uh, anytime I see that name on the team sheet, I just I tend to gravitate towards that. But you know, a, a pretty good midfield of Klaus and Sahin and and Eggestein and uh, you know Florian Kainz down the left hand side is pretty dangerous as well. Dave, uh, obviously Claudio Pizarro is an older player now, but he he still has goals in him. He's always been a threat against Schalke. Um, it, while it was great to see him probably coming off the bench, um, it's still a player you're going to have to worry about no matter the age, right? Yeah, exactly. When you, when you see a player of his caliber, it, despite his age, you know, it, it doesn't matter if he's 40 or, you know, 30, he's, he, he's still running around and, and playing like he's a 20 year old. So uh, it's someone that you always have to recognize as a threat. You know, we, I, I think to some degree at the start, I knew he was going to make an appearance, you know, just, you know, was going to be 55th minute, 65th, 75, what it was going to be. But yeah, he's always someone that's going to come on and, and put a lot of pressure up top. He's going to be someone who's, who's going to make a lot of moves. Uh, re- really turn to some degree the style and tempo of the game, and and he does that. Um, so yeah, it, it, right along with Jack, there there was a number of names that sort of pop out. You're like, all right, these players are going to give us troubles, but again, let's see how we set up defensively, how we tactically try and you know subdue some of that attack. Because I mean, what did Bremen come in with? Uh, a minus, no, a, a plus five goal differential, 13, 13 goals against eight. Um, so so we know they have a potent attack. Um, it was it was just a matter of uh, matter of time, but yeah, there's 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 a lot of players to be worried about on that on that Bremen team at this point. Quick question, just from the American perspective, I just thought of this. Uh, what's the deal with Johansson? Anyone been following that? Was he was he injured? Is that why he wasn't even among the subs, or has he not been getting much of a run this season at all? I haven't really been paying attention. Yeah, he hasn't gotten much playing time at all. Um, I there was some talks uh, I think during preseason that he was he was back to. F- to, to full fit uh, in form, uh, but he he just cannot break that 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 starting eighteen. Um, he's you know obviously a lot of depth as we just described in that that attacking position. Guy's got loaded talent. He's he's played a number of good minutes for the U.S. national team and of course in the past for for Bremen. But yeah, he just he's he's just not seeming to to, to get that form right now in that uh, that true striker form that we need. And so yeah, it's been suffering both that uh, he has I can't remember the last time he got called up for the national team. And of course that's that's a real telling sign if you're not getting you know consistent playing minutes at your club that uh, that's not going to happen. The Johansson Sargent front two is going to happen at some point this season. I can feel it. Oh, it has to. And, and <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up because uh, Mr. Young, Mr. Sargent, apparently is uh, his days on the youth team are no longer, and he is ready to be joining uh, the Bremen squad, the senior squad, any any day now, according to Florian Kofeld, which is a. Uh, makes that, you know, Johansson and uh, Sargent uh, front two even more possible now hearing that. Uh, but he did not play in this game. He did not even line up, uh, suit up. Um, this game started uh, it started out interesting. Uh, I think early in the fifth minute, Schalke did have a good opportunity. But it was pretty much a stalemate. I mean, going back and forth, yeah, Bremen had the better opportunity in the first half. But there's really nothing to speak of. Uh, we had a yellow card by, by Hamza Mendel in the 25th minute. Um, and and Kainz also had one for Bremen in the 40th. It w- it wasn't really there wasn't really any great opportunities up until the 43rd minute uh, moment of brilliance and uh, Mr. Uh, young Mr. Eggestein uh, got some room up there outside of the box, took a shot, and he beat Nubel uh, short side for the goal. Dave, you know a lot of people are going to ask. First thing going to ask is would Fairman have stopped that? Uh, can you give blame to Nubel on that shot, or just, or is that just a brilliant, brilliant shot by Agassin? 
I, I think it was a great shot. I, I don't, you know, Fairman's maybe got a couple inches, you know, of wingspan that he has on Newble, uh, that may give him a sh- a chance. But you know, I, I think the shot, especially me, is um, just as as a as a viewer, kind of surprised me. Right, you kind of knew as he was started going across that eighteen, setting it up for his right foot, that it was going to happen. Um, but it, but it had some velocity on there. I think it just surprised him. I know. I think it was what Bentaleb that was giving him just a little bit of space. Um, but yeah, I I, I just got to give it up to to Eggestein. I mean, he was right place, right time. Right. And you said stalemate. We had a couple really, uh, you know, decent chances, you know, during, as you mentioned, the fifth through the 15th minute. Um, but yeah, that 43rd minute things kind of shifted around a little bit. You know, I thought the yellow cards, to be honest, were going to kind of spice up the game a little bit. And it, it didn't really do that. Um, you know, on, on either side. So yeah, that, that it, it really surprised me. Um, I, I just think it was one of those, I don't think Fairman would have got it uh, one way. What are you thinking, Jack? Am, am I off base on that? No, I don't think so. Um, you could maybe you could say that he was slightly flat-footed and really didn't get a solid lunge at that or anything. But uh, I tend to I tend to be with with you on this one. I, I think that was a shot that no one really expected him to take, or at least not that quickly. Um, he found himself in a nice pocket of space. Um, I don't know who should have been picking him. Maybe it was even Harit, who was kind of floating top of the box, not really marking anyone in particular, but um, he just turned so quickly and got that off from such a strange angle um, that, yeah, I think it, it caught everybody by surprise. You know, Nubel, the Schalke defenders, everyone at home watching the game, and um, accurate strike puts it in the corner and uh, very unfortunate goal to concede going right into half. It was, it was a very tight first half. I don't think either team really had that many great chances. So, you know, it looked like um, kind of similar to Schalke's 2017 2018 formula right which is just you know you know lock up shop and just these really really tight games grind them out try to try to nab a goal in the second half and then just kind of ride that out to victory and uh that that formula was thrown into disarray right before halftime the question is you know you would have thought i mean that was a third goal for egasin in the season if they did their homework and i'm sure tedesco did that this is what egasin likes to do he likes to Find some open space out, on top of the, outside the box. You know, wait for a pass and take a shot. Uh, all of his goals had up to that point had been from outside the box. So whoever it was, Ben Taleb or I mean Harit, uh, clearly they weren't paying attention too much or didn't consider him enough of a threat to to shut him down. Maybe that was the plan is to uh, you know guard the rest of the guys and maybe they thought he was the wink link and give him more room than they needed. But um, he made them pay uh, going into halftime. Uh, Bremen were up one nothing. Uh, overall assessment of the first half, uh, yes, it was a stalemate. What do we make of not only McKenney and the second striker, but uh, the overall game plan by Tedesco and the boys? Uh, Dave? Yeah, it was the first half was, a, was a, as, as we've all said, sort of a stalemate. I didn't think we really had that many offensive threats. Um, defensively, I thought we were pretty solid aside from that that little goal at the very end. Um, I think we prevented Bremen from a lot of counterattack in which we've seen. Um, they didn't really have a, a lot of that. I thought Mascarell and, and Bentaleb were, were doing some really good switching in the midfield as far as who was protecting that back line. As, you know, as Mascarell got pushed up, Bentaleb would fall back. I did notice that. I really thought sort of at the start, the first five, ten minutes of the game, I remember McKinney and uh, maybe it was Mendel had, had a couple really quick throw-ins. And I think that caught Bremen off guard, and I thought that allowed us to to have a little bit more creativity and offense. But that quickly went away as sort of the game, as you guys mentioned, kind of dried out a little bit. We stopped having sort of that um, that energy right there. Um, I didn't think we were really good on one-on-one challenges. You know, I thought we, we could have uh, taken some better chances. We could have been a little bit more physical. Um, I think our challenges won. I don't know the percentages, but I, I feel like we could have been stronger on those on those one-on-one challenges. So again, first half, a bit of a stalemate. You know, aside from that, that goal at the end, I didn't think we played, you know, uh, we didn't play great, but we also weren't playing bad at the same time. Just a very neutral style of game at that point. Jack, did you see? Uh, do you see it the same way, or did you see something else? Well, some uh, when some of your most dangerous offense is coming off of throw-ins, I think that tells you all you need to know about <laughs> exactly. The, uh, and that's not to disagree with Dave's point at all. I think I mean he was right. There was a, there was definitely a play early, early on where Bergstaller got something uh, off a throw-in, cut inside, and got a shot off. Um, I actually think Bergstaller had a couple opportunities in the first half to play a pass in the box. That was one of them. I believe uh, Harit was making a run near the top of the box and was calling for it. Didn't receive it there. I think there was another opportunity where Bergstaller um, could have headed the ball across. I want to say it was to 
it might have been to like Mascarell or somebody I forget, but um, yeah, it, I would agree with what with, with Dave's analysis. Essentially, it was it was pretty tight. Not a lot of chances, you know, either way around. Um, McKinney did I think a decent job up there, knocking some balls down, laying some things off for his teammates. Um, did a decent job in sort of that target striker role. Uh, but I mean, I don't think there's anybody that thinks that that's where he should be playing all the time, or that's you know our ideal look to show opponents. Um, beyond that, uh, I thought Harit played pretty poorly, not just the first half, but most of the most of the game really. Um, Harit uh, got himself into trouble a lot, and he, he's such a good dribbler, and that's like his main asset, right? But there's a couple of times he just needed to pass the ball and dish it off to a teammate, and he he lost a lot of possession for us. Um, was not at the top of his power, I think, in this match at all. I think Bentaleb um, had a couple errant passes as well. So, uh, you know, just kind of a lack of rhythm to some extent. Uh, but I think you could say that was probably the case for, for both sides in the first half. Uh, it was clear that obviously something needed to change and they needed to have more of an attacking threat. So the the casualty in this one would be Hamza Mendel. Uh, at halftime, he would be subbed out, and in would come Mark Uth. Instantly, I'm thinking, Mark Uth left back. What's going on? But that was not the case. Um, he would, he would, he would take over that second striker role. And and hurry, uh, um, Mr. McKenney, he would, he would go back into his more familiar midfield position. Um, so, start of the first half, uh, better from Schalke. Definitely, they looked like they had more intent in this one. Um, there was a a play in the 59th minute where. Uh, Burksaller got an opportunity and forced a, a big save by Pavlenka. Uh, Jack, I thought that was the moment where we were going to tie it. Um, he had a great look, and Pavlenka came up with a big save. So you got to give credit to the where credits due, right? He had a couple nice ones in this game. I think Pavlenka actually played pretty well. And yeah, that's just one of those moments you you take your hat off and and just applaud the goalkeeper for for making a nice play. Um, I just wish we would get more shots off. I feel like. Um, Brayman in particular, I mean, I think we probably outshot them in this game, but it didn't, it didn't seem like that to me. I feel like Brayman and some other teams we play, they're, they're less shy about just having a go in and around the box. I think Schalke, we, we get into these situations in the final third and we just kind of like dance around and then eventually just make a poor pass. And every once in a while, we just need to like just rip it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I wish, I wish we would have done just that. Um, Schalke, Dave, had a couple other opportunities through Weston McKinney, and uh, Frederick, De- no, Frederick, <laughs> Franco De Santo, um, <laughs> to try to equalize it. Uh, they did not get that, and unfortunately for us, uh, that led to Max Cruza of all people. Again, we said he's been a danger man for, always against Schalke. Seemingly took on three Schalke players by himself and found a found a long pass across the box to end up leading to Agustin getting his second goal of the game. Um, w- missed opportunities on one end, poor defense on the other leads to that second goal. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think sort of the tale of this this match was, you know, all these simple mistakes just added up to to ultimately the loss for Schalke. You know, it, it, it ended up, you know, on one side of the pitch where you said Schof had a really good cross into the ball, you know, a little touch by Uth, um, you know, and then and it slides right under McKinney and, and DeSanto. Great chance. But again, um, you know, just a few minutes later, what is that? Only like two minutes later, you know, it's 2-0 Bremen. And, you know, there's there was just no pressure you know, on, on Agustin at that point, there's too much space. There wasn't, yep. uh, a, enough sort of interest, I guess, to close down that player and close out that gap because we, we see what Agustin can do on the first shot in tight spaces with velocity, with accuracy. He punched that right, right in the net. And so you're going to give that player of that caliber. Who's all of a sudden now has three games and two or three goals in two matches. He's feeling it now. He wants to take that shot. And if you're going to give him that space and time, you're going to get burned for a second goal, and that's exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, just not enough pressure. You know, um, I, I know everybody, it, it seemed when DeSanto came on, I really felt when Mascarell came off, what is in that 63rd minute, I think some of that central defensive role bit shifted. Maybe some of the assignments got loose a little bit, and I think that ended up with with, with Agustin as, a, as an open player at the box. So um, disheartening to see because I know as a team we are – we're more precise. We're 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 a lot more smarter than that to let a player roam around uh, with that much space. Um, but you know, when you get some disruption, some players, if things aren't on the same page, that's going to happen. First of all, just imagine being down a goal 
and then thinking that Franco DeSanto is the solution to that. For, I mean, I just I, I can't even put myself in that situation. What have we become? <laughs> yeah, but hundred uh, percent agreement with what Dave just said. This is a very similar situation to the first goal for Agustin. Um, once again, floats into a pocket of space. No one's putting a body on him. You saw what happened the first time you did that. You let him, you know, uh, find an open space on the field. He's capable of getting a shot off quickly and, and you know, in, in tight circumstances. And it's a very similar play to the first one. He gets himself a yard of space and fires it in. And, and to me, that's just a concentration issue. Like, you saw that happen the first time. You have to be aware that's a possibility. And someone's got to go out there and close him down. And uh, it, there's just a lack of hustle or a lack of focus. I don't know what it is, but th- those are the kind of plays, I think, to Dave's point. Like, last season, we were locked in in that regard. Uh, the reason we were able to win so many close matches is because we didn't have these these sort of errors. Um, you know, we, we were maximizing everything we had, and, we you know, we have these mental lapses. And, you know, maybe just that tiny little bit of extra effort that it would take to to run out and close him down a little bit earlier, just a little bit of passivity, you know, from, from Schalke. And that, um, you know, led to 2-0. And, and just like that, you know, after really not a horrible performance for us, um, we didn't play well, but, you know, it was a pretty tight match, all things considered. And, um, you know, you find yourself 2-0 down at home and you're staring down the barrel of yet another defeat. Yeah, and it, it seemed like after they're down 2-0 that there was no way we are coming back. Uh, Schalke did have a good opportunity through the 72nd minute and Naldo, uh, a strong effort there. And as well, Mark Uth, uh, we thought he had his first goal in the 88th minute, uh, hit off of Pavlenka, another guy, another great save by him, hit off the post and stayed out. Um, <laughs> that was as close as Schalke would come. They would fall two nothing to Bremen. Uh, another tough loss. What do we make from this? I mean, and now if you look at the current standings, uh, Bremen sit just three points behind Dortmund, who are, who are in first place, while we have dropped back into the relegation zone. Um, we're six points up from eight games now, uh, as Hanover uh, got a, a favorable result to, to leapfrog us. So, what is the state of Schalke now that, you know, we're still in the relegation zone? I mean, we don't want to. We don't want to go away from from Tedesco, right? Because he seems to be have the answers, but we just are not playing good enough at the moment, right, Dave? Yeah, it's it feels like, and, and it's frustrating at, at at the end of you know ninety minutes to look back and just say we we have the quality right on our squad, top to bottom. We have so much depth. We know our players have a lot of creativity. There's a lot of quality with them. Yet this whole match was lack of precision. We weren't very decisive. We saw frustration from players after passes would errantly go out of bounds, you know, not knowing the positions of players. And again, that goes back to the training grounds of knowing your position, knowing where your players are at all times. And I I just think with this game, even though we had three straight wins and that was a good representation of who we are as a team, right? Both tactically, both depth wise, uh, both from a managerial and a club perspective, but this just wasn't a good representation of who we are. Right. And again, I'm not one of those, those supporters that are going to come out and asking for Tedesco's head, looking to make a change this early. Um, there is still plenty of time. Again, three points would have put us nicely mid-table, would have gave us a little bit of breathing room. Now it just seems like we're back there. Um, but, you know, you got to give it up to Verde Bremen. I mean, they were they were better in defense. They, they were smarter. Um, they were able to adapt to, I mean, at one point we had three strikers on there, you know, with Uth, DeSanto, and Bergstaller. And we couldn't do anything with those three guys. And you, you got to give it up for Bremen to, to kind of keep us stalled out and, uh, you know, very uncreative in the attack. So, um, yeah, kind of hard to summarize exactly where we're at with the club. It's just we know we haven't hit our ceiling, I think, with these players. Um, there is a way up. It's just a matter of, of fine-tuning and figuring out how do we create offensively. I mean, five goals through through, through the season, the campaign so far, that's... That's nothing. I mean, I think we had, what, 10 or 12 goals by the time um, last year. So it, we, we know the talent's there. It's just a matter of somehow unlocking that. And, you know, things things that happened last year can't happen this year. You know, you, you, you know opponents understand us. They figured us out. Uh, we just have to find a way of adapting and changing that to be, be a successful club. Jack, it doesn't get any easier for us because we got RB Leipzig next game. Um, you know, with all this frustration that we, we've had... Is it time to finally give Toyker to try, Rudy another try, some of these other guys who haven't had the minutes? Uh, 
give them an opportunity to try to do something because it seems like what we've been doing this year so far is obviously not working. Yes, we had that three-game spell just before this, before the international break, that it seemed like we were getting better. We were getting results. We weren't necessarily playing better, but getting the results. Um, where, where does Schalke go from here? Oh, I mean, I agree with you, first of all. Yeah, Toykert, let's see him. Skripsky, let's see him. Let's see Konoplyanka and Bolo, you know, more than we're seeing DeSanto, those sort of things. Um, the one thing I will say is, and let me let me preface this by saying that I am, of course, not calling for Tedesco's head at this point at all. I'm not, not in that camp as of yet. But I do think he deserves some criticism, though. This was a Schalke team last season that was not a good offensive team. And we, you know, found a way around that by virtue of the excellent set piece record that we had, you know, the number of goals we scored on penalties, which was like plus 10 um, corner kicks, you know, free kicks, that sort of thing. But it was not a good offensive team. And this season we have not been scoring those goals from set pieces and we haven't been able to make up for it. And you can, you be, everyone's talking about on paper, this is a pretty decent team and we should have the talent to do it. After a while, you got to blame the manager for not getting the most out of them. Um, I, I do think a lot of this, falls on Tedesco he has not found a way so far through you know a season in a you know a quarter or so or whatever this is um to have Schalke consistently be a dangerous team going forward he just hasn't uh and and that that's that's blame that he needs to take and he needs to figure out a way to fix that because it's it's causing a lot of problems obviously we haven't been as good defensively this season which is part of the issue we're conceding you know almost like two goals every single game it seems like which is not not ideal at all, but um, you know you're not gonna you're never gonna win games if you can't score goals. And we've been we've been shut out or kept to one way too often this season. So uh, and as you said, though the schedule is not getting super easy next week as we have um, RB Leipzig. I don't know what it is after that. Did you say who's it? Who's after RB Leipzig? Uh, I can pull it up real quick. Uh, look, do we have a break for? I want to say we have a break for like the Deep Book House. We need a like break. That. We need a break. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's a there's a uh, break for uh, Cologne. Yeah, and then oh, well, there we like, go. Yeah, yeah. Cologne always gives us a hard game too. They're like our bogey team. And then, so and that's then not another bogey fun. team, Hanover. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Track, Lovely. We to play our sister club, Nuremberg, also at the end of November. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting month here. It'd be, it'd be a big month for for Tedesco, no yeah. doubt. The last thing I'll say, I mean. This is a bad season. We are going to struggle to make. I mean, I think probably Europe is probably already out of out of the equation. We're not going to qualify for Europe. Um, it would require a, you know a, a dramatic change in our form. But once again, the people online who are claiming this is going to be a relegation fight. Yeah, we're we're in 16th right now. That's not good. We're three points off of ninth place. It's exactly. so early in the season. You get one result, and you're going to shoot up the table. Like, so everyone needs to calm down. Let's let's not fire the manager yet. Let's not freak out. It's not full on panic mode. We're bad. That's a problem. We need to improve. But you know, unless we're uh, still kind of in a similar position close to Christmas, I- I'm not going to hit the panic button yet. And I think we still need to give Tedesco time to figure things out. He did an excellent job last season, so he's he's shown that he's capable of it. Um, you know, but definitely sooner rather than later, we need to find a formula that's going to provide some results because this can't continue for too much longer. So Dave, let me. Yeah, we go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say we we got spoiled last year, right? I mean, you know, we finished second. We had a tremendous, you know, plus ten goal differential. You know, when it came to set pieces, and we found ways to to get the job done right. And on the back end, when we weren't scoring goals, we were focused, we were disciplined, we were efficient, we were clinical. We were all of those things that we need to be as a club to make sure we win those close 1-0, 2-1 kind of matches. And you're right, Jack, at some point, if you can't unlock the potential of your players, that falls upon the manager. And if we are willing to put, for example, Weston McKinney in, in, in the 10 spot without utilizing some of the other depth we have, Okay, that is a point of criticism that you need to look at. What do those players have to do to get playing time? Perhaps those are the ones that are going to sort of unlock some of that potential that we have on, you know, uh, as, as far as our goal goal scoring drought. So it's it's a very complicated situation, of course. But yeah, I'm not looking for Tedesco's head. It's a matter of maybe in eight weeks if things aren't changing. Yeah, that's maybe something to consider. I mean, he does get a little leniency. You know, he did get us Champions League, but again, that also fell on the the, the shoulders of the players to to make that happen. So, um, I I know again we have that quality, but you know, at some point that quality has to shine through, and if not, that falls on someone else's shoulders. 
and it's got to be I, I, obviously I, I get it last year they played a certain way and it, it wasn't the greatest offensively but it did the job especially defensively and got, got the results this year it seems almost as if Tedesco is trying too much to try to get offensive uh, an offensive flair in there and it's really confusing with all these different formations and positions that people are playing they can't get any continuity um, on any front, and that's why it's, it's, they're giving them so many goals defensively. I think if they if they pick one or two or three different tactical approaches, then they could probably start building off of that and get better. But it seems like they're trying just trying. Tedesco's trying everything and anything to make it work and see if something sticks. And I don't know if that's the right approach to do because the players are probably feeling just as anxious as he is, and um, it. It, like Jack says, we are playing bad right now. We're not. We're not going to be in a relegation fight the whole season. We're 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 close to mid table, but it's we're, we've got to figure something out. And if it takes you know bringing in a Toykert or or Mbolo or somebody else who's not getting the pitch time, um, let them have the time. Don't don't go with your tried and true because obviously your tried and true is not doing it good enough. Yeah, I I, I fully agree with that. Um, <laughs> we'll have, we'll have to wait and see. But I mean, the longer this goes on the more difficult this climb is, is going to become. So it, it was nice that we were able to break up that that losing streak with a couple of results against against Mainz and Dusseldorf. But, um, you know, Bremen and RB Leipzig are not kind opponents to have as you're trying to pull yourself out of something. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see if we can get some momentum with our Champions League fixture, with that Dia Cal fixture, and uh, hopefully get things going again. Since you bring up the Champions League, let's try to lighten the mood here. Um, and it's going to be hard because uh, the opponent coming in, or the, we're going to, I should say, we're going to Istanbul for this one. It's Galatasaray. Um, they, quote unquote, are hell as far as playing. If you've seen any Galatasaray matches, any Turkey derbies, Istanbul derbies, you know Galatasaray is one of the hardest places to play in the world. The crowd is on top of you. They are. They throw stuff. Uh, great. They have great choreography. It's it's a fantastic place to be at. Unless you're the opponent, because uh, it's gonna it's it's hard for you, and that that team feeds off of that crowd. Let's look ahead to that game. It's on Wednesday on the twenty fourth. Dave, realistically, what kind of performance are you expecting from Schalke, both tactically and results wise? Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a difficult place. I mean, as as you sort of talked about going into that Turkish, uh, you know, football, you know, environment. I mean, this is a club, right? It's won like 21 titles. They've captured what 17 or 15 Turkish cups and super cups, and 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 it's a place that is nobody wants to go play. As you said, as, as social media says, it's it's hell, right? It's it's not a favorable place for traveling fans. And if this last performance against Werder Bremen is any clue as to sort of how we're going to play moving forward. It's it's going to be a real tough sell. I mean, it currently, you know, with, with one, one win and one draw in champions league sitting with four points, um, you know, a, a, you know, tied with Porto one spot above, uh, one spot above uh, Galatasaray, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping for, I would love to see Harit get a little bit more playing time. I think to your point earlier, we're talking about some continuity. I think Harit's better and more consistent when he has those playing minutes. You know, of course, he's has to earn those times. Um, but I think the more he can get on the ball, the more he can make runs into the box, the 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 more um, sort of offensive creativity and disruption we can do with that. Um, but but I, I think we're just, we're going to come out with the usual the the you know the four 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 one four one. You know, perhaps um, not sure to what extent. I, I'd like to see perhaps show for Caligari get a break. You know, or, or Caligari specifically, he's he's played a lot of minutes here. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I'm not expecting a, a win from here. A draw would be, would be lucky, but, uh, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit towards a loss on the road in Istanbul. Jack, are you feeling this the same way? Like what does Shaka have to do on the road to, to, to get a result? Yeah, well, I mean, I agree with everything you both said already. Uh, should be a very tough atmosphere to compete in Galatasaray league leaders in, in Turkey right now. So they're in excellent form in their domestic campaign, at least. And, uh, three points through two matches in the group stage. Um, this is a big match for us. I, I think, uh, Porto, you would favor this week to probably get the three points against Moscow. Um, if that happens and if, and if Galatasaray were to beat us as well, um, you'd be looking at, you know, Porto in first with seven Galatasaray, in second with six and Schalke on the outside looking in halfway through the group stages they're in third place um I don't think any of us want us to uh go into the Europa League 
at all. <laughs> I would like to avoid that if possible. I think that's the last thing our domestic campaign needs is bouncing out of the group stages and ending up there. So um, if we could find a way to at least nab a draw, I think that'd be a good result. We'd stay in second place um, and would have gotten, you know, four points from from road matches so far, which would be, uh, once again, considering what our domestic form has been, I think that would be about as good as you could have hoped for from us in the Champions League so far. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you know, the boys just got to stay mentally strong and stay focused and locked in for the full 90 and not let the atmosphere and, you know, the noise get to them and that sort of thing. And hopefully they can uh, pick up an important result on the road. All right. So, Dave, you say a loss on the road. Is it a close loss, in your opinion, or is it going to be a, a big game for, for Galatasaray? No, I think I think it's going to be a close one. Um, I, I think the boys, you know, despite their performance, I think they know the importance, as you hinted at, Jack, of of the importance of this third match. Right? It's it's a difference from staying at that top spot, or at least even in dropping below, and eventually, you know, you know, going to the Europa League. And the, the, I, I believe the players are going to stand up. You know, no matter what eleven you choose up there, it's going to be a very hostile environment that you're going to be walking into um yeah i I, i'd say galatasaray by at least um plus one on 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 the goals um but yeah i'm just just hoping for a good at least a a more technical performance and that's what i'm looking for that that severely lacked during during the last um you know verna bremen game and just i want to see more of the technical aspect come back to the game uh some more attention a little bit more detail and a lot more position going on and and i think if, if we can sort of slow the pace down play that Schalke style that we that made us so successful last year at least we'll have a good showing may not be a win um but you know it's it just a good solid showing overall and as jack said he's, he's predicting a draw on this one i think you know galatasaray are going to have certainly the attacking prowess and trying to score on us the way i think Schalke needs to approach this is you know flood that midfield you know take control of possession as dave said slow the pace down more play more Schalke speed if you will I think if Schalke can get a goal early, get the crowd out of it, that will suit them just just great. If they can get a goal early and take the crowd out and then, you know hold on for dear life, I think they can get away with a, a draw on the road. Um, however, if you know Galatasaray come out and score real early in the game with the first ten minutes, this could become a two nothing or a two one game or something. So I'm hoping that I'm gonna I'm gonna say a one one draw. Uh, hoping for that. Now, if you get a 1-1 draw on the road in, in, in Istanbul, that's a win in my book. So um, that would continue. They would still be they'll be on five points and still ahead of get, get a, uh, still ahead of Galatasaray. So at, at that point, you're still in good position. Um, like Jack said, I don't want to be in Europa League. Either we progress or we get out completely. I don't want to drag this on Europa League with a, a competition and the season's hard enough as it is where we are right now, so we don't need the, another the strain of a competition to hold us down even more. So, um, yeah, Schalke fans, uh, tell us what your predictions are for the Champions League and what you thought about that Bremen match. Uh, tell us about it at so4 underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, I think on that note, um, a lot of doom and gloom on this podcast because of Bremen, but uh, that'll wrap this one up. We want to thank Schalke, Fox Soccer, Bundesliga.com, Ghana Soccer Net and the 18.com. Um, special shout out to NBC4 Nashville as well on this one. Uh, good friends of the show. <laughs> First, we want to thank our guest, Dave. Here's your chance to plug anything you want, sir. The floor is yours. I appreciate it, guys. Always fun talking some Schalke. Uh, doom and gloom, highs and lows. It's it's all good, right? We're supporters to the end. So thank you guys for having me on. You guys can connect with me on Twitter. That's usually the easiest way. I am at AO Dave Lee. Um, you can, again, head over to internationalpodcastday.com to see everything that we're doing there internationally with the podcasting and podcast community. Um, I'm also host, as you mentioned, of The Waves of Tech. Um, that is a, a tech show, weekly show that I do with my father. I've been doing it for about 11 years now. You can find Find our shows um, in any podcast app of your choosing. Just search for Waves of Tech. You're going to find us on there. Um, yeah, again, I appreciate any follows, and, and, I, and I'd love to connect with more Schalke fans. So, at AO Dave Lee. Appreciate it, guys. Dave, uh, I mean, Dave, I mean, Jack, uh, 11 years. We got a long way to go to, to catch up with that, huh? Yeah, I think I'm still, I don't think I've even gotten to uh, 12 months. Yeah, I, I, what was it? I think it was Riviera Derby. November. Yeah, November at some point last year. Yeah, it was after that that incredible Dortmund match was my first episode with you. Um, but yeah, Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Um, 
really appreciate it. We've been talking about this for a while. I was really glad that we were finally able to make this happen. And let's definitely try to get you back on at some point later in the season. We'll make sure we connect. Um, as for me, you can find me on Twitter at uh, J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N. Wonderful, wonderful. Once again, I am your host, Richard Carmen, and you can find me, as always, on Twitter at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. Until the next pod comes, my friends, stay ready, and we'll be with you soon. Shoot.